You know, typically I open up with a funny story. Today's not typical. I don't have a funny story. I know, bummer. Like, I don't have nothing planned. Maybe something will come along the way. Who knows, right? But um, I'm actually looking forward to this morning. I've been looking forward to this message all week. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to every message. Don't get me wrong. But there's some that just speak a little bit louder to me than others, you know? And this one was like in a megaphone in both of my ears, okay? Um, I'm looking forward to closing this out, and, and we've been looking at this topic of what God really wants. Like, what is God wanting out of us? What is God wanting from us, you know? Um, I'm closing this one out, but I'm going to give you a preview of next week, and we're going to start something that's been really heavy on me for probably the last, you know, two, three months, and that is the family, okay? We're going to hit on the family heavy. All right, so just get ready for it. All right, I'm looking forward to what God's got because God really wants family. God loves family. He created relationship. He created relationship for a purpose, for a reason, and that is simply because we need it, and he desires it, all right? We're going to take a little bit of a piggyback ride off of last week, so to speak, and we talked about Toward the end of last week's message, Jesus was asked a question, and that was simply this. What is the greatest commandment? Now, we broke down very briefly, and we have an understanding that there was somewhere around 440 different commandments that was given. And Jesus simply gives a response, and he says, love the Lord your God with what all your heart. Today we're going to take a look at some scripture, Matthew chapter 6, but before we get start at verse 25, at 25, before we start there, I want to jump right into the middle of my overall passage that I'm going to go with, and that is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I didn't give that to Joe to put up right now, but you'll see it here shortly. It says this, but seek first the kingdom of God, now, let's, let's stop there for a minute. Any, anytime that Jesus gives a direction or he shows an importance to it, maybe, maybe we, 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 you might need to put an asterisk or, or something around that first part of that that says what? But seek first, first. Meaning that God must be first in every relationship. Meaning that God must be first on your mind of every day. Meaning that God must be the first in everything that you do. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says something really cool. He says, and what? His righteousness. And then it goes on and says, but, but there's a result of all of this. If you do this and this, here's the result. And all these things shall be added to you. Now what we have done as the body of Christ, as teachers, as preachers, we have only singled out this verse when it comes into, into the, the, the context of the, the 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever it is, verses we're about to take a look at. We single out that one because we love that we need to seek God. We know, we know that we need to, what, end his righteousness. But the part that we really enjoy is the last part of it that says, you're going to get something out of this. And we throw around a word that has been so loosely used within the context of scripture or within church, and that is the word blessing. We think blessing here is something that I'm supposed to like wish upon a star and it's gonna fall into my lap. Let me, let me break it off to you. That's not how that works and that's not what God is saying in this passage of scripture. I'm always quick to define blessing with you as simply this, provision. The blessings of God are God meeting the provisions of your life, the necessities. So if we can just love God first, if we can seek him first, if you will do all of that, this is a little bit of a heavy message today, okay? But if you can do all of that, then God is saying, I will take care of the rest. Who in here worries? 
right? We worry. What do you worry about? What do you not worry about? Let's dive in here into our scriptures. All right. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, okay, these are Jesus' words. He's saying something. He's saying, like, listen up. This is what I'm trying to communicate. I need to drive home something here for you. That's what Jesus said. He says, therefore I say to you, he says what? Do not worry about your what? Life. How many of you know that is a huge statement? Right? Do not worry. Well, easier said than done, Jesus. I, uh, I read a, um, uh, a blog from the New York Times this week, and the author started their writing by saying this, I'm a warrior. Deadlines. My children. All the time they spend online. You name it, it's on my list of worries. I even worry when I'm not worrying. What am I forgetting about? How, how true is that statement, right? When I read that, I was like, son, that's me. You know, that's, we can all get caught up in, into this area. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a life free of worry? You can't. Let's go on with the scripture. And here's where you really need to pay attention. Dry, listen to me. This is deep today. You got to pay attention here. He says what? Worry about what? What you will eat or what you will drink. He says, nor about your body. What you will put on. In other words, he's talking about here, these are the necessities in life. These are the provisions, okay? He goes on to say, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither what sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit of his stature? What Jesus is saying here is what, what can be added to your life through worry? That when we are giving our energy to worry, Worry cannot give you anything back in type of a healthy way. I, I used to say, and this is kind of weird, it hit me so, I used to say 80% of what you worry about never comes to be. Well, well, they've updated that, believe it or not. I like to know how they come up with this, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you just list all your worries and then you list what the results of those worries were and that's how they come up with this percentage? But now they're saying somewhere between 95 to 97% of what you worry about doesn't even come to be. That's a lot of wasted time. That's a lot of wasted energy. All right, here we go, verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Thy neither what? Toil nor spin. Verse 29. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of what little faith? Verse 31. Therefore, in other words, again, or Let's bring this back around. I need to bring you back to the topic. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, we serve what we consider to be and who obviously is a loving God who absolutely knows what your needs are. Here's what you truly need instead of worrying. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it sums it up. And all these things, what, will be what? Shall be added to you. Worry adds nothing to your life that is productive whatsoever. But God can add to your life and make it healthy. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, 
For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Watch this. Let me, let me jump in there. You're still worried about yesterday. Come on. You're still worried about what happened last month, last year, a decade ago. All right. How dumb is that? For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what we're going to talk about here, what I believe is the foundation of worship, and that is simply what we must put God first. Now, here's, here's a formula that that many people have for living and what they would consider to be a great life. This is not in your notes. You can put it in there, but you don't put it in there as an example of how you're to live your life. You need to put it in there as an example of how you not to focus upon your life. Here we go. The first thing of this formula is this, the right career. Everyone thinks they must have the right career. For me to live a good life, I must have the right career. Now, you take the right career, and then you need to add something to that, and you must add the what? Right spouse. I have the right spouse. Do you like that? My mother-in-law says, yes, you do. All right? Some of you need to look right beside to the person beside you and go, I know what I've been blessed with. Maybe I've taken advantage of that. I need to know that God has given me the blessings. But here's what we do. We go, I need the right career. I need the right spouse. I said, <laughs> some of you are there too, right? I need the right spouse. Here we go. And I need to have a lot of this. Plenty of money. This is a formula that our culture and society is saying, this is how you're truly going to live a happy life. It says what? I need a right career. I need to have the right spouse. And I, I can have plenty of money. Let me tell you, if you've got plenty of money, come see me. Comes, you need to be humbled, so therefore you need to give me some. So you can quickly become humbled. All right, here we go. So we got the right career. We got the right spouse. We got plenty of money. And here's what we need to take away from our life. Watch this. Oh, problems. Or no, oh, I messed up. Now we need health. I just, daggone, I just messed that up. So here we got, we got right career. We've got the right spouse. We need plenty of money, and now we need health. We need health. Let me, let me help you out. As you get older, health declines. Come on. I'm not saying anything that none of y'all are already experiencing. Do you like that? None of y'all are experiencing. All right. So we got the right career. We got the right spouse. We've got plenty of money. We've got good health. And minus this out of it, and that is what? Problems. If you tell me you have no problems, you just told me you have a problem. <laughs> right? This is the formula for what's supposed to be a great, successful life. It's what our culture has taught us. It's what society, the world, is teaching us today. You have the right career. You have the right spouse. You have plenty of money. You have health. You add all of that together. Then you take away the problems. And now what are you going to take away? You're going to take away pain. Heartache, right? discouragement, loss. You take that away, man, and, and your formula, if you're living every one of these steps, I mean, you're doing it exactly how culture is saying to do it. But let's just be honest. Well, I'm in the right career. I know that. I love it. But not everybody is. I have the right spouse. I ain't got plenty of money, though. <laughs> We're lacking in that department. You've got to get another job, all right? <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus. All right. <laughs> Some of you, you got health and you got abundance. That's great. Some of you don't. I get it. I understand. And then we're supposed to say we don't have any problems. That's not so. We're, we're a room full of problems, we're a room full of mishaps. We're a room full of people with lots and lots of mistakes. Which results in saying, I got tons of pain because of these problems. Not because of the spouse. Right? And here we go. And, and what, do we, what else do we need? Suffering. And what does all of this equal in our society and culture today? A happy life. 
Well, then we ain't living a happy life if we're defining it by culture or the world or the society we live in. So many people feel that contentment or happiness of life is a condition of need. If I have more money, if I have a better job, if I can get these things or this stuff, then I would be happy. And if they don't have it, what they do is they worry about not being happy because they don't have the things that they're worrying that they wish they had. People feel that this discontentment, this lack, or, or this dysfunction within their lives can be solved by the issue of need. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate. He was addressing in Matthew chapter 6 that you are worried about all of these legitimate things, which are for real, right? The clothing, the food, so on and so forth, relationships, because you think that happiness or contentment in life is an issue of need. But watch this. In verse 33, Jesus turns everything around. And he's basically saying that happiness and contentment in life is not an issue of need, but rather it's a problem or an issue of order. We have this order of this stuff or these things that are just so messed up. Watch this. If we will put God first, if we would restore God's divine order in our lives, all of these things, these needs that you are searching for will be what met. So this brings us to a spot. When order is restored, the blessing is released. I want to define blessing again for you. It's the provisions of life. It's not the wish upon a star moment that I want God to just fall down. God, I want a million dollars right now. Bring it to me. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what Jesus was talking about a few verses before when he was saying what? Can we go back there real fast, uh, Joe? In verse 31, he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear for all these things that the Gentiles are seeking. Your heavenly Father knows that you, that you need all of these things. He's saying right there, look, I know what you need, but if you would get this order down, then you are releasing me to be able to meet what's going on in your life. I see them. I know they're there. Jesus in this moment is teaching what true happiness in life is. That it is not an issue of need, but it, rather it is an issue of order. Jesus must be what? The Lord of our lives. We must be placing him above everything else, above what? Every problem, above every pain, above every suffering. We must place him above what? Above of money. We must place him above our spouse. The whole formula that culture and society says what brings true happiness is wrong, Jesus. It comes to be Jesus. We must follow this order. When we begin our lives out and live them out for God being first, when we put this into practice, this divine order, then order is restored in your life. Who needs some order? Don't answer this publicly. Who needs no order within your life? Let me help you out. Try one thing and watch everything else fall in place. Put Jesus first. That was good. I didn't care whether you clapped or not. God gave me that revelation, and that was good. God must be first. Must be first. Seeing that your provision is met and blessing upon you is simply a byproduct of order. I want to repeat that to you again. You might want to write that down. Seeing that your provision is met and blessing, or you could parentheses there, put provision, and blessing upon you is simply a byproduct of what? order. We are praying for love. We're praying for peace. We're praying for joy. We're praying for strength. Watch this. We're praying for kindness. We're praying for all of these things. Does that, all of those things sound familiar to you? What are those? Well, the book of Galatians tells us that every one of those things that we're supposed to be praying, praying for are the fruits of the Spirit. 
How are the fruits of the Spirit relevant or shown in your life when you are allowing God to be correct in the order? And that is what? First. Genesis through Revelation, we see this whole theme of order. Adam and Eve in the garden. What? Everything is great. Everything is in order until what? Sin came in. Then order was disrupted. God then brought all of these covenants in order to bring what? A restoration between him and man. So now what we see is a fulfillment that through Jesus Christ, who obviously is what? The name above all names. He is the mighty one. He is the savior. He's what? The lamb of God. He's the Lord of heaven and of earth. So when we need to understand that when we are seeking him first, how the order of our life changes and what, you know, I, I say it this way, and I try to live my life as best as I possibly can like this, but if I'm seeking God first in everything, then my desires, my wants, what should they do? They should change and fall into place of what God's purpose, plan, and will is for our lives. Am I right? Let's unpack Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The first part of that first says, but seek first the kingdom of God. This is our first practical step, right? Notice something interesting here. It says, notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, don't seek those things at all. He just says, make sure you seek me first. You understand that? You must seek me first. Jesus knows that you have needs and that you have wants and that you have dreams. But when we're placing it out of order, sometimes those needs, those wants, and those dreams are not in line with what God wants for your life. But when we are seeking God first, your attitude's gonna change, your outlooks are gonna change, your desires are gonna change, your wants are gonna change. Why? Because then it's going to fall more in line with what God desires for your life. It's an order problem. We're not seeking him first. And God is fine with you wanting things. Look, God loves it that I love the O's. Okay, I think he does anyway. Right? Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. Do I, if I put it before God, then we got a problem. God loves it that I love my spouse. I love her with all my heart. I love my family. But I better never put them before God. God must always be first. You want a successful marriage? Put God first. You want a successful family? Put God first. You want a successful career? Put God. Are you seeing this pattern? Sure we do. Sure we see it when we're sitting here and we're listening to somebody giving it. But what are we doing when we're out of here? It's so easy to go, oh, I feel it. Yes, that is exactly what I need to do in my life. That is the pattern that I must live. You know what? We got a problem. The problem is our direction with the energy that we have is misguided. We must redirect your energy. You must redirect it. What are you focused on? You have all this energy that you're spending into worry. But watch this, worry can never add into your life. It can only take away from. We must redirect the energy and what? Give it to God. Worry what cannot add. Jesus is saying, we don't need to create any new energy. We just need to redirect what we have already and send it his way into worship. This is how you turn your worry into worship. Think about how much you spend on worrying about stuff. I said that in the beginning kind of funny, and we all answered it in kind of a funny manner. But let's just really break this down and say, how much time are we really spending in worry? Social media to your local news, something will send you into a panic, right? Commercials. Watch this. You thought the last economic crash was bad. Just wait until the next one. 
it will send people into a... Buy gold now. (laughs) Buy your survival kit that will feed you family for six months now. Well, what happens after six months? Watch this. If you spray this well-known weed killer, you are entitled to compensation because you are going to die. Come on. Well, what good is that money going to do to me if I'm already dead? (laughs) Jesus is saying, look, you know, I I, I don't have, you must redirect this whole thing. You must direct your life toward me. Energy that we, 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 what? That we direct into worship, it's an investment. It's not a waste. All that worry is going to do is sap your strength for today and sap your strength for tomorrow. We know that when we worship the Lord, what happens? Well, simply this. He inhabits what? The praises of his people. In other words, in that moment, God is saying, I'm right there coming down within your life. What happens when we praise him? We, we know that he inhabits those praises. And watch this. And in his presence, thank you, we have fullness of joy. And if we have joy, we have strength because the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. Now, listen. Where the spirit of the Lord is, we understand that there's liberty. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your pain, in Christ, when Jesus is truly first, we would not have to turn to worry, but rather we would turn our worry into worship to God, who we know that God gives us specific things. What does God give us? He gives us peace. He gives us security. He gives us a calmness that simply what? It absolutely does not make sense. I watched a video the other day, and it was very, very uh, eye-opening for me, and I I enjoyed it. And there was a segment within the video that it talked about the Christian martyrs before, back in, 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 in the biblical times, and how they were pretty much killed for the cause of the gospel. And, and, and we sit there and we think, well, can you imagine what must have been going through their minds? The fear, the scare, the fright, the anxiety, the worry. And then I became challenged in my own mind thinking this, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe it was the only way they could get through that was what? Hmm, maybe they sought God first. And what seemed to be such a stressful moment for their lives. And in our eyes, it would be. Looking in on that, it it seemed like it would be so full of stress and anxiety. But maybe as they're being martyred for the cause of Christ, they have a what? A calmness, a peace, and a security that absolutely doesn't make sense but it's because of a result of them seeking God first. When we redirect this, you and I, we can have so much more. God wants you to what? Experience his love and and, and the atmosphere of his goodness. Look, Look, God loves everyone. Christ died for all. However, us experiencing that love is dependent on us allowing God to be what? First, he must be first. This isn't because God is on an ego trip of some sort, but rather he knows that the only way that you can experience true happiness and joy is by being in close relationship with him. God wants you to what? Enjoy his love. God wants you to enjoy his goodness, but you can only do that when you're in close relationship with him. So it brings us to this, seeking his righteousness. This means God 
God's right character or, 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 or having the right path when it comes to it, God's right way of doing things, so to speak. Seek really means to thoroughly search or come to a binding agreement or conclusion. This is what it really means. I'm in God's family. Jesus is first. Now I'm going to thoroughly, what, search the word of God to find what, what my values and the way I'm going to live my life and understand and be defined as to who I am in Christ and begin this life from what? The inside out. Because you need to understand whatever you're bringing in is coming inwardly. Whatever's going to be shown outwardly is whatever you're bringing inwardly. And if whatever's coming outwardly is not lining up with this, then we've got an order problem. You're not seeking God first. Wake up, okay? Listen, you need this. We must seek God first. No longer am I going to what? Live my life, but what culture says or the world around me. But from this point forward, I'm going to live a binding contract or contract concluding that God will be first in my life. That's how I'm going to live. That's how I'm going to live. That's how I'm going to live. Listen to me. It, it, turn my gain or something down there because it's going to squeal, but I, I got it. You've got to understand something. And that something is this. As a pastor, I go through some frustrations. Forget it. I go through some frustrations. I got your attention, don't I? More importantly, God's got your attention here. Wake up. Because you know, not wake up. I go through some frustrations because here's where my frustrations lie. Now, I know if, there, if it's a frustration for me, it's got to be frustrating to God. You need to listen up. You need to be clear about this. Here we come into a service on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whenever these doors are open, and we, we have a great time of worship. In my opinion, you get a great word. Whether your opinion or not, I don't know. But here's the frustrating part for me. As a pastor, so much so this week, I just threw my hands up and said, what more can we do, God? Literally, I don't know what else to do. They don't get it. You'll sit here and you'll agree with me on the word of God, and I'll sit here and agree with you. But my gosh, when are we going to open our minds and our spirits and our hearts? Understanding that this word is not candy. It's not just for this moment that we're sitting here, but this word is for you to live out every single day. How can you continue to allow yourself to be surrounded in any environments that you are, but still say you're a Christian? How dare you? How dare you be in these relationships that are totally against God? In his word. But still sit here and say, I receive from the Holy Spirit. If you did, you would have changed. I am so tired of playing church. I'm so tired of us as a culture playing church and a society playing church. When are we going to get to the point of conviction again? When will conviction be real? I sat there this morning and I was getting ready for church. I said this to my wife and one other person this morning already, and I was getting ready for church and the thought hit me. I grew up under a generation that feared God and knew what conviction was and could define it. But I look at our children today as they're walking about and they're being raised by people who know what conviction was but are not living it out. You know what you are defined as? A fool. An absolute fool. And you are partly taking into a generation that will die and go to hell. Pastor, that's hard. Sorry. 
It's not my word, it's God's. When are we going to get to the place where God convict us? We've got to the spot where it's not conviction, it's gray area. It's gray area. Oh, but this is okay, but this is not. Well, that's what they used to teach, but this is what we're not teaching anymore. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. You know what, Father, right now. I want you to close your eyes right where you're at right now. And there's a reason for this. Father God, right now, show them the sin. Show them the sin, God. Show them the conviction, Father. Lord, allow it to turn us to you and not condemnation that throws us away from you. Let us not, Lord, listen to our culture and our society. Not listen to a prosperity gospel. But God, may we listen to a gospel that brings us to the foot of the cross. A gospel, Lord, that says, but we must seek you first. And your righteousness. That we're all not okay with just playing church. And coming in here on a Sunday morning and and feeling good about what we've heard, but living like trash outside of here. What example are we showing? Where's the conviction at? If we have failed you, God, we're sorry. Forgive us, Lord, of our sin. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. We must establish our identity. The way you establish your identity is simply by what managing the decisions that you have made about how you are going to live your life. By saying, Lord, I'm a follower of Christ. By understanding that I know that my sins have been paid for. I know who has established his will over my life. And I'm deciding to manage that decision of acceptance of Christ for the, watch this, the entirety of my life. That I will not live in condemnation going up and down within my relationships with God. There is no need to continually always redeciding that any longer. Know who you are. Know that you have made a choice and that you are choosing from this day forward to what pursue the life that God has planned for me. Watch this. I will be faithful to God's house. I'm not redeciding this every Sunday morning. Independence upon what the weather is or how I feel or about everything else that's going on in life. Deciding that I will not be pressured any longer by outside circumstances, but whether I will listen to the voice of God and speaking me and getting me to his house, to the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Here we go. <laughs> When we talk about giving and tithing, did you know, and I say this every Sunday, tithing is worship. The first 10%, what does that do? It belongs to God. That's it. That's in his word. God, what must be first? And that means he will be what? First in my bank account, in my finances. Well, pastors, we don't like talking. Some pastors love talking about that. There's other of us like me, like, ugh. But if I'm going to teach the word, I got to teach the whole word. I make decisions 
And now I have to manage it, what, for the rest of my life? Not redecide it every time I look at the bank account to see whether or not I can afford it. No need to rehash it out, being dependent upon what the economy or what my paycheck looks like. This is what? God first living. This life is not about you becoming the person you want to be. It's about you becoming the person that God wants you to be. Who wants to be the person that God wants you to be? The walk with Christ has become more something that the church is constantly redeciding. Why? You've made a decision. Walk in it. Live it. Don't go with culture. Go against culture. Don't go according to your circumstances. Go according to what God's plan is. Go according to what God wants. God must be first. The only way I can do that is live it through the inside out. And and then he, he sums everything up by saying, and all these things will be what? Or shall be added to you. You know what? This is bothering me, sorry. All these things. Have you ever in your life, don't lie to me, but have you ever in your life been in a very worrisome circumstance and then when you got on the other side of it, man, you were like, like a sense of freedom, just, just the weight is off and man, it's just unexplainable. Has anybody been there before? That's what Jesus is saying here. Enjoy your freedom. When you do these things, when you seek him first, when you seek his righteousness, all these others will be added to you. He says, enjoy your freedom here. Enjoy the life that I have given you. Enjoy the family that you have. Enjoy the things that I have placed in your life. But more importantly, what? Enjoy me. Stop coveting what every other person has. No more am I, what? Wasting my energy on worry but rather I will invest my energy in worship. Stay with me this morning. We know that worry cannot add to our life, but we know that God can. Matthew 6, again, but seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things. That's your blessing. What is your blessing? That's your provision. All these things shall be added to you. We need to redirect. We need to reprioritize. Redirect our energy. What? Establishing our identity in who Jesus is. We need to enjoy our freedom. We must what? Redirect, establish, and enjoy. You know, I really poured out my emotion there for a moment. But I did it because I love you. I did it because I love God more importantly. And I want him to receive the worship that he desires and deserves. And this morning, you have an opportunity to realign yourself. Some of the things I talked about, maybe you you have... uh, You've fallen into place of God's not first. He's not first in my family. He's not first in my marriage, my life. He's not first. Maybe we've got to the point of, like, like I poured out to you there for a moment of playing church, just being in the moment while we're here, but then outside of here doing whatever we want. And justifying that by all these stupid gray areas that our culture (laughs) and even the church has created. The word of God is Jesus Christ all throughout it. Genesis through Revelation. Everything points back to the cross. Everything points back to Jesus Christ. You can look at every biblical hero of the faith. And it's a reflection of who Jesus is. And more importantly, who he wants to be in your life. And you could be here today and maybe you don't have a relationship with this Jesus that I'm talking about. Maybe you've not made that commitment to him today or before. I want that to change. 
I want today to be the day of salvation for your life, where Jesus is King and Lord of all. That you're deciding from this moment on no longer to redecide, but this is how it is. I'm living for Him, only Him. He will be first. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. And I want to ask that question to you. If that's you in this house this morning, if, if you could say, you know what, Pastor, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to be saved today. I want salvation this morning, in this moment. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. This is your opportunity. This is your moment between you and your Father. Do you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life today? You've never made that commitment before. Okay, excellent. Now, you can look at me. It's all good. You want to look at me. You know you want to look around anyway. At least that's what I, when I'm sitting there and somebody says that, I'm like, I want to look so bad. Come on now. I'm just saying what you're thinking. But maybe, maybe today it struck a chord with you, this message, and said, yeah, my alignment thing, it's off. I need to get this back in order. I've been worrying way too much and God's not at the forefront. I'm not seeking him first. I'm not seeking his righteousness. And this, this, this order thing needs to get right. I'm not gonna ask you to slip up your hand. I'm gonna ask you to step out and come up here to the front. Cause you're gonna have something to play. And I want him playing while you sit here for a moment and you talk to God about this order problem that you have. And you say, Lord, you must, and there ain't no judgment going on but rather there's celebration going on. Why? Because we're getting realigned. We're getting to be where we need to be. We're getting our pattern back. Or we're, watch this, maybe for the first time creating a new pattern. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, right now, step out, if that's you. You want that realignment in your life, step out, come to this front. There's no reason to be bashful about, look, I'm right here. I want God to be first. I want to seek him first in everything. In everything, I want to seek him first. So right where you're at, you know what? Pray. You don't need me. You need you and God. Pray. Seek after him in this moment. Lord, let Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 be my life. May it be my equation. May it be my pattern. Go after my Father God. Thank you, Lord. We pray for every individual right now. God, I pray for every individual, Father, Lord, that, that is wanting to realign that pattern with you right now, God. They want you to be first. You must be first. Help them, God, in their lives to seek after you. To push everything else aside and say, God, my attention, my world, my thoughts, my decision-making needs to be lined up with you first. You must be first. Jesus, you gave the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God. May we love you with everything within inside of us, Father. May we strip off all this old stuff or old ways of thinking, God, and may we just completely be saturated in your love and your compassion and in your forgiveness and in your understanding and your kindness and your joy. May we be bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, as Galatians tells us. God, may we take on your likeness, God. Father, forgiveness of sin. We pray for that right now. We repent before you right now, Lord. Asking God for your forgiveness. Asking, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to move in our lives every day as we see it within that New Testament church. That we would pray in the Spirit. That we would be led by the Spirit. And that we would live in the Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name right now, you see the hearts cry. You see the concern. You see the hurt. You see the worry. You see the discord. You see the problems. You see the anxieties. 
God, right now, as your word says, that we are to cast our cares upon you. God, we're casting these things onto you. Because, Lord, we want to seek you first. Because, Lord, we understand that the proper order is you first. And then you begin to place everything else accordingly. Hear their prayer, Father God, right now. meditation of our heart. Hmm. Father, may it be acceptable in everything. In your sight, in your plan, Lord, you are our strength and you are our redeemer. In Jesus' name, church says, Amen. we love you. Have a great day.